How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, back at it again. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We're still in chapter 26. It's a huge chapter. <laughs> Lots of stuff in it. So grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 26, and we got to down to verse 30. All right, so uh, from here we see we're, we're going into the betrayal. We see the Garden of Gethsemane and everything that's happening here. So we're going to just comment on this as we go along. So if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at, at hand, you could just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast. We'll try to get to it then. All right. So while we're waiting for everybody to come in and getting getting it all set up, um, uh, verse 30. Actually, we're in Matthew 26, verse 30. Sorry. Um, yes, uh, uh, some news uh, regarding our podcasts. I was taking a look at our podcast reach. And uh, we, uh, Christian Coffee Time has reached into a new country. We're pretty excited about this. So I'm just going to read off everywhere that uh, we've managed to get the gospel into via the podcasts. So for those of you who aren't uh, we're, uh, up to date on this, we have our videos that, that we do. But for our podcast, because some people can't watch the videos or they just can't play the video video streams. So what we do is we just take the audio from these and upload the audio from each of our Bible studies here, upload the audio as our podcasts. And we're on podcasts uh, on uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes, and some others. But uh, the countries that we've managed to reach via the podcasts, we're in... United States, Argentina, Australia, Canada, Netherlands, Romania, United Kingdom, Lebanon, Sweden, Belgium, Ireland, Bulgaria, Switzerland, India, Jamaica, Greece, Germany, Philippines, South Africa, Brazil, Serbia, Portugal, Finland, New Zealand, Norway, Guam, Spain, Poland, France, Italy, and as of this morning, Malaysia. So... <laughs> CCT has managed to reach the gospel into all of those areas just via the podcasts alone. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord on that. It's absolutely amazing. It just it always excites me to see how much the Lord works in this way. So keep praying, keep praying uh, that we reach into more places. And the uh, uh, just and from YouTube, the videos were in Russia, China, Japan. Uh, Australia and everywhere else across Africa that uh, as well as I've been contacted uh, a, a little while back uh, from some pastors down in uh, in Gambia yeah, I believe it's Gambia in Africa where there's three pastors there that uh, they don't have any means for Bible schooling or anything so what they do is they they actually join in the uh, cct youtube videos and they use the cct youtube videos as their bible schooling and they take the messages and preach them in their churches so cct is helping teach 
three churches alone in Gambia, Africa as well. So it's just how the Lord works this way. So keep praying. We're reaching the whole world. Keep praying. Keep praying. It is absolutely just amazing how the Lord is working. So it's a lot of work and we put a lot into it. And um, FYI, nothing on our uh, YouTube channel uh, or our, our study material, nothing of our Bible study material is monetized. We don't monetize any of our Bible studying material. Bible study material. It's all free, free for download, free for sharing. So uh, you don't have to worry about any of that. So if you want to download any of our material, go ahead. Uh, as well as we made our gospel tracks free. So on our website, christiancoffeetime.ca, well, we have free downloadable gospel track PDFs and as well as uh, free e-tracks so you can uh, download the file and it's the full gospel tract for emails so you can email it to people so we have tons of material we have tons of material uh to help the saints encourage the saints and to uh provide teaching and instruction and and help to to the saints so please keep praying that we can do more and we can reach more people and all of that but uh right now we have a job to do, and that is to study Matthew chapter 26. So praise the Lord and all of it. It's just amazing. And uh, it means a lot for you folks to uh, your fellowship, your friendship, um, your support. Your support in fellowship and in prayer means so much. And as well as we just want to thank uh, everybody also that helps us out financially your financial support means so much as we're able to purchase the tracks and, and all the material and able to keep up uh, the ministry like this your help your fellowship and your support in many ways is just means so much so again just want to thank you folks and uh, the lord bless you folks richly in all of this for your uh for your help and friendship okay so with that Let's get going. Matthew chapter 26. We're down to verse 30. All right. So grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. Grab your tea. Grab your coffee. Grab your snacks. Whatever it is you have. Come join us at the table. It's time to study the Word of God. Okay. Matthew chapter 26. We're down to verse 30. All right, so we see the the wrap-up at the Last Supper as they were uh, having the, the Passover meal. And Jesus uh, talking about how we see the change of dispensation, the change of the, of the covenant is now in his blood. As he says in verse 28, this is uh, my blood of the New Testament, meaning covenant. So... We have a lot to take for take from that. We went over that in great detail. So please uh, refer to our previous message on that, the the blood of the Passover. Um, and uh, we see in verse thirty, when they finished up the whole meal and everything, it says when they had sung in hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Now I love I love that we, as we see in verse thirty, as the simplicity and the fellowship, and that is church. They gather together, the Lord teaching them, sitting together, fellowshipping together, breaking bread together, uh, singing together, and uh, 
we see such simplicity of worship, so, such simplicity of service. Now, hold your finger here and go over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And what verse 42? Acts 2, 42. Then we see this as uh, this system of gathering and fellowship and worship and all this is carried through that after jesus ascended up and we see the early church starting all this in acts chapter 2 verse 42 and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine that's the teaching as they were given by jesus steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer so the fellowship is gathering together, encouraging the saints, encouraging one another, the singing of the hymns. Um, and we see breaking of bread, eating the meal together, as well as breaking bread. It also carries in uh, the uh, communion table, the, the remembrance table of the Lord, and in prayer, praying together. So we see Acts 2.42 is the layout of the early church, church service. So something to consider there as this is this picture is mentioned more than once in in the word of god all right so verse 30 and when they had sung in him they went out into the mount of olives verse 31 then saith jesus unto them all ye shall be offended because of me this night for it is written i will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad now what does he mean by this you shall be offended and we take a look at this um uh, in the greek it's scandalizo scandalizo where we get scandalous uh, means to put a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which another may trip and fall metaphorically to offend um as you see to entrap that is to trip up so something that is causing, like a stumbling block, something that causes that that is going to cause them to stumble. And as see, Jesus says, "All ye shall be offended. All of you will stumble at, at at me because of what is going to happen. That something is going to happen, and instead of staying faithful, you're it's going to uh, cause you to stumble in the faith, uh, to have an issue, have a problem. As we see, what is that? Fear." Because when they come to arrest Jesus, what happens to all the disciples? They scatter. Just as the prophecy, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall scatter. So, the Lord is telling them this, why? Well, you see, the Lord always always does instruct us. He does warn us. He does guide us. He, do, he does teach us. God is not the author of confusion. As you see, all down through, constantly, constantly, he's telling them about what he's come to do. How many times did the Lord inform his disciples about what he'd come to do? Uh, he's going to be crucified, and now, and now he'll uh, come, uh, come back third day. How many times did he tell them? Now, why did he tell them? To prepare them. Now, is it the Lord's fault if they did not prepare themselves? Well, would be the Lord's fault if he did not warn them, but he did warn them. He warned them, he instructed them, he told them time and time and time again. And if the disciples refusing to listen or not taking to heart as seriously as they should have, it's their fault, not the Lord's fault. 
You can't blame God for anything. And we see, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall scatter. Now, as you see the beauty and the comfort of the Lord in this and how the Lord works is he doesn't just leave them out there scattered. As we see, he does bring them back again. But all of you shall be offended because of me this night. And the Lord has used this language before. And he talks to his disciples in John chapter 6 about, uh, about the, the bread and the blood being... Uh, 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 if you do not eat the flesh of son and man and drink his blood, you, shall, you will not have any life in you. I am the bread of life. You must eat of this bread. And many of his disciples left, walked away. And only the twelve remained. And we see in that scenario, Jesus turns to the other ones that had walked away and he says, doth this offend you? Is, is what I'm telling you a stumbling block to your faith? Like, how, how is this something that is making you stumble at me? So he's used this word before about uh, offense. The presentation of the word as we as we use it isn't the same as we see in like, the, the, here in the word of God where someone does something and you say, ah, that, that offends me I'm offended it's not quite the same thing where if you did something said something that offended me that is uh, emotionally upsets me and all this and, and we have a problem or, or today you get triggered <laughs> it's not the same here this offense here means to something that causes you to weaken in the faith or stumble at the faith and turn away from the faith. This is this is the meaning of this. So Jesus telling them about how he's going to be betrayed and what's going to happen to him this night is going to cause them to run away. Uh, but look at what he says here. I, it says in verse 31 at the end here, it says, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Verse 32. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Look what he says. He doesn't just leave it that I'm going to be betrayed and taken away and killed and mistreated and all the rest of this. I'm going to be crucified and killed and buried. He always, always, always throws in, as you see in verse 32, I am rising again. I will be back. I will come back. I'll come back to life. As you see, very importantly, if you're into cross-referencing, uh, what must always be thrown in this is John chapter 10 and verse 17 and 18. John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. Jesus says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Did you hear that? Verse 18. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. To take his life back again. This commandment have I received from my Father. So we see Jesus here. Jesus here is saying that he has the power to lay down his own life and raise himself back to life again. In John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, Jesus says he has personal power to lay down his life and raise himself back again. 
Now, there's a lot of angles, different angles we can take on this one. But Jesus saying this is, is the comfort. Now, we, we don't see this in any single other belief system of the entire world. Could, did Buddha have power to lay down his life and take his life back again? No. Did Muhammad? Nope. Did uh, any of the Hindu gods, any of the Hindu gods, could they lay down their life, die, and raise themselves back again? No. What about any of the Egyptian gods? Nope. Norse gods? Nope. There's none other like the Lord. There's none other like the Lord. There's none other like him. No other deity of any single other belief system gave of their own blood, of their own life, of themselves for the life of the people. Every single other deity of every single other belief system demands it of you that you do, you earn, you gain, you maintain, and they don't care about you. Because they don't have power to grant everlasting life. They don't show it. They don't prove it. They don't have it. They don't do it. They don't care. But the Lord says, the Lord Jesus says, he has power to lay down his life and take his life back again. And he has power to grant everlasting life to those that believe on him. He is the God of life and death. He is the God of all creation. He's the God of the resurrection. He's the God, of, the only God of salvation. So it's very important that we look at this. Uh, whenever you're looking at a passage of Jesus talks about the resurrection, any other passage that talks about the resurrection, you take a look at John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, what Jesus has to say about this. Because I just also making mention here is a, a fine critique on some people's doctrines that when they talk about the resurrection they say that that uh, jesus he laid down his life and the father resurrected him back to life again no the bible says john chapter 10 verses 17 and 18 as jesus said jesus raised himself back to life again john 10 17 18 look at it it's what he said so jesus said his spirit when he died on the cross, he, he bowed his head, gave up the ghost, show, showing power over life and death. He laid down his life. No man took it from him. It came the point. He says, it's finished. It's all done. He willed up the spirit. And his spirit left the body. His body died. He went down, down to paradise where he preached across the gulf to the spirits in prison, as it says. And then three days later, his spirit he came back of his own power. He came back to his body, healed the body, resurrected the body, and he came back to life bodily. Some people don't believe he resurrected bodily. He resurrected spiritually. No, bodily. He resurrected bodily. He did it himself. He has power. That is the most powerful deity claim of all deity claims that we see in the word of god as jesus having power in and of himself over life and death angels don't have that prophets don't have that no other deity has that as you see in ezekiel chapter 18 verse 4 god says 
I own all the souls. All souls are mine, God says. He controls life and death. So him saying this in verse 32 of Matthew 26, verse 32, it's very important to take note of this. The power of the resurrection, the power of life. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. So he's, he's telling them about all what's going to happen and, and what's going to them and what they're going to do. And, and uh, after all is accomplished, where he will meet them. As we, as we see in the resurrection morning. Verse 33, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men should be offended because of thee, yet, yet will I never be offended. <laughs> oh, we could say a lot about this. Now, a lot of people talk a big talk. Uh, they talk uh, uh, a lot about uh, their faithfulness to the Lord, and how they're unashamed, and how much the Lord means to them, and what that they be willing to die for the Lord, willing to serve the Lord in all things, and that the government came against them, or whatever happened. You know, they would go to the Colosseum for the Lord. Or they talk big talk, the martyrdom talk. You need to be very careful about personal boasting. Say, well, I would never deny the Lord. Well... Uh, I hope that's true. I'm just saying, wait until your time comes for persecution and it tests your faith. There have been some great, great individuals, great, great individuals that have, that have broken. I'm just saying that be very careful about boasting, be very careful about pride, be very careful about, about giving yourself into that kind of thing. Because the devil will te will test you. He will sieve you. And sometimes it is severe. There have been preachers that have abandoned the faith. And if Peter the Apostle. Apostle Peter. That walked with. Worked with. Uh, and uh, lived in ministry with Jesus for the past years. And seeing all the things. Hearing all the stuff. And, and being with Jesus for three years. He could deny. Be very careful about uh, boasting your own self. Because when you do that, you do realize the enemy takes that as a challenge. Be careful about the about uh, youthful pride. And this is what we see here. Peter, full of pride in this, is self-pride, boasting of himself. It says, though everyone else would abandon you, I won't. Verse 34, Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter, you know what you're talking about. You're going to deny me, not once, not twice, but three times. Now imagine the Lord saying that to you. You know, when I read through these kinds of things, I try to put myself in this situation. Now, how would I feel about this? Like, if I was Peter, and the Lord turned to me and told me to my face, you're going to deny me three times. Imagine the 
the emotions. Imagine what your brain would do, because you do know that, well, Jesus doesn't make things up. Jesus isn't flippant about anything. Jesus doesn't lie. He doesn't exaggerate. That if Jesus says something, that's the truth. It would, it would really weigh heavy on you. But this is, even though really heavy troubles come upon you, and this is something that must be really understood. If you want to understand the Christian faith, if you want to understand Jesus, if you really want to understand the point of the entirety of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, you have to understand the doctrine of grace. If you do not understand the doctrine of grace, you're not going to understand God. If you don't understand grace, you're not going to understand Jesus. If you don't understand grace, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get anything that is in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Because the whole scripture, the whole faith of everything the Lord has said and done, everything that is God, is based upon the Lord's gift of grace. It's all about grace. That's what it's all about. So when, when we hear this, when the Lord turns to us and says, there's a hard time coming. There's a trouble coming. There's a temptation coming. When the shepherd turns to his sheep and tells his sheep, okay, stay close to me. We're coming down the mountain and we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. We must walk through this valley of the shadow of death to get to the next mountain. When the master tells us that there's, there's trouble coming, his temptation trials and issues coming when he shows us that the path that we have to go is going to be hard we have to understand that he's not just flippantly walking that way he's like oh let's let's do this that god does not tempt us with evil but he makes a way of escape and he will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able now this one is one that helped me more than most other passages is when God says, I will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. Do you realize what that means? Do you realize what, what, what that means? I will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. You know what God is saying? God is saying, I know what your limitations are. I know where the end of your rope is. God is saying, I know how much you are able to actually handle. And everything, doesn't matter what it is, everything that comes in, I deliberately limit them so that it won't push you beyond your, your ability. 
It won't push you over the cliff. It won't take your last grip off the rope. It won't push you further than you're able to handle. That's what God is literally saying in that. I will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but I'll make a way of escape. That, now, why? Why doesn't he limit it more? So we can learn in the moment how to trust his promise, how to depend on him, how to hold on to him. And regardless of what comes in, we know that he will not allow us to go beyond that which we are actually physically, mentally, spiritually capable of. That we can trust this promise that it's going to be over. It's going to work out. There is an end. There is a door. There is a way around. That he's made a way in the wilderness. I just need to trust in him. Hold his hand. Hold on. One day at a time. One tick of the clock at a time. It could be so heavy. It could be so oppressive. But the shepherd just says, stay with me. Stay with me. We're almost through. I know where we are going. I know where we're going. If you slip and fall, just call on me. I'll grab you. We'll keep going. If you sink in the water, Peter, grab my hand. Let's walk back to the boat. If walking through the valley, the, the, the heavinesses and all these things come upon you so oppressively, just stick that much more closely to me. I know where we're going. I know how to get through this. We will get through. That's what the Lord is saying. That's what he says. So when the Lord says... That, that you shall be offended of me and you will scatter. I'm coming for you. I will come for you in Galilee. I will meet you in Galilee. When he turns to Peter and says to Peter, you will betray me. You will deny me three times. I'm coming for you. I will not abandon you because the Lord promised as well. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never let you go. You're held in my hand. No man can pluck you out. I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. The promises of God that regardless of what happens, regardless what comes along, regardless of the hardships, regardless of the trials and the tribulations, regardless of the sin, we have an advocate with the Father, we have a mediator, we, we, have, we have the comforter, we have the counselor, we have the redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ. It does not matter what's coming along. The point is, is not to focus on the fall. If the righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. It doesn't, it's not about the fall. It's not about the denying him three times. It's not about the scattering. It's not about what, what we have done. It's about what he has done to hold us together. If the sheep scatter, what does the shepherd do? He leaves the ninety and nine and go gets the one. He gets the one that, that has wandered off, that has scattered off. And what did the shepherd do? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So what does the good shepherd do? That if the disciples scatter, what does he do? He rounds them up. If the one denies him three times and wanders off in through the rocks and through the wolves, what does he do? He goes and hunts it down and brings it back. It's about Christ and his grace it's about the grace of god the grace of god is the theme of the entirety of the scriptures from genesis to revelation the grace of god 
The grace of God is he makes a way, he makes a way in the wilderness. The water comes from the rock, the manna falls from the sky, the jar of oil does not run out, he, he splits the sea, he rolls back the waters of Jordan all the way back to Adam. He redeems us by the riches of his grace. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Do you see that? The Lord says, things will come along that will offend you. That will be a stumbling block, a hindrance, a problem, an issue. That sometimes we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not always the mountaintops. Sometimes it's the dark, gloomy, horrible valleys of death. Death of, of emotion, of feeling, of family, of friend, of job, of circumstance, situation. It can, it can bring such heavinesses and depressions and fears and worries that you wind up having, having to deal with and walk through. We're not always going to be having the fields of daisies and rainbows. It's not always going to be like that, Joel Osteen. We're not in it for our best life now. Our best life comes later. Right now, it's a battlefield of hardships and trials of faith, trials and temptations and these things. But learning how to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him because He directs our path. It's about Him, not us. It's not about how I hold on to His hand. It's about how He's holding on to mine. It's not about, about, it's not about my robes. It's about His robes that cover us it's his righteousness not mine it's his goodness not mine it's his hold on me not my hold on him it's not left up to the sheep to make sure that they're following the shepherd right though that's a good thing but that's not what's important it's that the shepherd keeps his eye on the sheep and he never gets ahead of them. He never gets away from them. He makes sure to keep the sheep with him. The shepherd makes sure that the sheep stay with him. See, it's not the onus is not on the sheep. The onus is on the shepherd. The shepherd watches for the sheep. He watches for the wolves and the bears. He watches for the dangers. And he looks for the, the fields of grass and the still st uh, streams. He's the one that cares for and protects his staff, his rod. He's, he's the one that guards and guides and provides for the sheep. He knows what's coming. And he knows how to prepare the sheep for it. And he has prepared us for all things. He has given us his word. And he's given us his spirit to understand his word. And he says, and I'll be with you always to make sure that you get it. To make sure that you see it. That anything that comes along, I'll help you to be in remembrance of it. So you can always remember it. You don't ever have to worry about forgetting scripture. You look to him. He'll bring it up in your mind. He'll teach you what to say. He teaches you how to pray. It's all about him. It's not about me. It's all about him, his promises. We don't have to worry about anything. Fear hath torment, but be of good comfort. I have overcome the world. He gives us the, the he gives us not the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You get that? A sound mind. 
but lord the valley there's temptations and denial and pitfalls and and sloughs of despond where we're going to sink in and there's so much danger ahead i've overcome it i've overcome it i know where to go i know how to get through it if you slip i have your hand don't worry i'm not gonna let you go on your own i'm walking with you I'm not only going to walk with you, I'll be with you, I am in you, I'm around you, I'm before you, I'm behind you, I'm each side of you, I surround you in my power, I hold you in my hand, and I'll never let you go. What do we have to worry about? If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, get it dealt with. Get up, keep walking. If we slip and fall, get up, keep walking. If the enemy tries to take advantage of us, get up, keep walking. If we if we get off on a tangent and we get lost, call upon the Lord, keep walking. He knows how to get back to the path. He knows how to right things. He knows how to fix things. He knows how to settle our hearts and our minds. We don't need to worry about a thing. Verse 36. Well, actually, back up verse 35. We see that Peter, in his personal arrogance, we do see that there is an awful lot of, if I can say, religious arrogance. There is a lot of religious arrogance these days. He'll say, well, I'll never deny. I'll, ne I'll never betray. I, I, I won't uh, deny. Uh, I won't succumb to the pressure. I won't succumb to the opposition. I, I won't. I won't. You know, that's called religious arrogance, right? It's pride. You say you would never deny the Lord. You never betray the Lord. But so are you saying you never sin? Isn't, a, isn't lying betraying the faith? Isn't apathy betraying the faith? Isn't refusing to witness betraying the faith? Isn't giving in to temptation and sin by way of thought, word, or action betraying the faith? We say that, well, I'll never betray him, but we do on a regular basis, don't we? Don't we? We all do. And if anyone says they don't, well, you just did. You just lied. Kind of a trick question, but the point is, is we see that regardless what the sheep do, the shepherd doesn't disown the sheep. That way, if the sheep keeps turning and straying, the shepherd's like, oh, you know what? I've dealt with you about 700 times now. You know what? Go on. I'm done with you. Go away. And he kicks that sheep out of the, the herd. Does the shepherd do that? No. In fact, there's a lesser known practice uh, regarding some shepherds that uh, if they have a, a sheep that is a bit of a problem. It won't stop running away. It, it refuses to listen. It refuses to do as it's told. 
It keeps wandering off. It keeps lagging behind. It keeps getting lost. It keeps having the problems. You know what the shepherd does? Now, this is what I've read. I can't say this as an absolute adamant fact, but I have read this and I have heard this on more than one occasion. So correct me if I'm wrong, but anyways, the shepherd will break its leg and carry it. Sometimes, sometimes we need to learn a lesson. And sometimes when we are very disobedient, rebellious and disobedient, the Lord has to chastise us. And sometimes the chastisement can be severe. That if we're not listening, we're not following, sometimes there has to be severe discipline. Where the Lord has to hobble us. Whether that can be through, well, I don't know, fill in the gap. Uh, removing something from our life uh, to really get our attention. But is this out of malice or is this out of grace? Because this, how far will the Lord go to hold on to us? How far will the Lord go to teach and instruct? How far will the shepherd go to make sure that his sheep always learn of him, stay with him, and listen to him? Because the shepherd knows better than the sheep. You see, sometimes we get arrogant and we think we know better than that we can hold ourselves. That we can protect ourselves. We can provide for ourselves. Our arrogance and pride are our downfall. And sometimes the Lord has to hobble us. But even in the hobbling, he doesn't let us try to follow limping. He picks us up and carries us. And he nurtures the wound. He patches it. He braces it. He heals us. But in, the, in this, he says, I'm sorry, but I have to teach you a lesson. You need to listen to me. And he will not let us go. That even in a moment of hardship, he will not let us go. God never hates us. He never hates us. He, he, he never despises us. He will never cast us away. But like a parent can be disgusted with their child's behavior, the parent doesn't hate their children. Sometimes the parent has to pour out severe discipline. They don't hate the children. All because the discipline is severe doesn't mean that the parent hates you. It's that they're trying to teach you a lesson in love and grace. All because there's grace, that doesn't mean that there isn't discipline. All because there's grace doesn't mean that there isn't a correction and a chastisement. The Lord warns, he teaches, and instructs. It's not his fault if the sheep don't listen. But it's but the, the focus is on how the Lord brings us back. How the Lord brings us back. He will never let us go. Peter says, though, though all deny you, I will never deny you. 
Likewise also said all the disciples. Okay, what did Jesus literally just say? Jesus said, All of you will be offended because of me and will scatter. And they all said, No, we won't. Personal pride and arrogance overriding what the Word of God says. The Word of God gives an instruction and we say, eh, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'll, I, I can do this. I can achieve this. I can hold this. I can work this. I can get through this. I can, I can deal with that. The Lord says, cast all of your care upon me and, and I will care for you. And we're like, well, I can carry it. But I said, cast it all on me, Jesus says. Well, it's okay, Jesus. I, I can carry it. Worry not. And we worry. Fear not. And we fear. Care not. We care. Sorrow not. We sorrow. Depend on me for everything. I can look after myself. Religious arrogance. Religious arrogance. Where we think we can provide and care and, and deal with everything ourselves. That when it comes to the when it comes to the mountaintops we praise the Lord. When it comes to the valleys, we depend on ourselves. We run to our own uh, ideas and solutions. We run to man uh, for help instead of God. We run to the doctors before we run to the Lord. We we run to the pharmacy before we run to the Lord. We run to our own our own means of gain before running to the Lord. The Lord says troubles will come upon you and you're going to try to look after yourself. And we say, no, we won't. we'll trust you for everything. But then hardships come along and what do we do? We try to deal with it ourselves. Offenses will come, as scripture says. Offenses will come. Now, I don't mean to beat a dead horse again on this but well, well it kind of proves the point of what i'm saying when we take a look at the past few years during the whole pandemic and the lockdowns and everything where all all previous time before this everybody talking about how they love the lord they serve the lord they'll never deny the lord they'll always walk with the lord in all things and and how they'll never deny the faith and then the government iron fist comes down and the lockdowns come on and what does what does the majority of christians do profess christians what do they do abandon the faith abandon ship abandon ship they abandon the church they abandon the faith and they live in fear and worry and care and the and the lord is nowhere to be found and it's all about them and how they care and worry and and work for themselves you see what i mean you see what i mean offenses will come trials and tribulations will come the valleys of the shadow of death will come and these aren't meant as challenges for us to know how to fix the problem 
that when the trials and tribulations and these things come along, it's the challenge is not is not us and how we fix the problem. The challenge is how we trust the Lord to fix it. How we can just remove our hands from it and watch God work. Stop trying to fix the problem yourself. Stop trying to, to solve the solution yourself. Stop trying to find the, 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 green, the green grass fields yourself. Stop trying to find the streams yourself. Stop, stop wandering off and trying to figure things out on your own. Worrying and fearing and fretting and, and providing for yourself. Learn to trust the Lord. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. But for, the, but for the majority of professed Christians, we see religious arrogance. I'm trying to hold the church together myself. As you see many so-called pastors are doing. By trying to hold the church together. Because now, now so many have abandoned ship. And are gone. And won't come out to church anymore. And won't have anything to do with the faith anymore. Because stupid reasons. That the pastors are are now compromising their convictions. They're becoming more worldly to try to draw people in. They're trying to solve the issue themselves. And in so doing, they're just wandering further, 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 further from the shepherd. And many professed Christians, likewise, Well, I don't need to go to church anymore. I can do it all myself. You're wandering from the shepherd. The Lord has has order, has protocol, has rules, he has regulations, he has he, he's taught us exactly how we're to go through things and how we're how we're to gather together. He he's given us instruction and saying, Well, I know better. I can do it myself. I can hold myself. I can decide myself that God is just this second best. That he's the add on that after i figured everything out myself of how i'm gonna do it i then go to god and ask him to bless my work my decision did you counsel it with god beforehand did you ask his permission did you seek his face in this is this what he told you to do or is this what you want to do because you think it's the right thing because this is what this is what you want to do and, and you want God to bless what you want to do. Hmm? You see, the challenge is not for us to fix the problem. The challenge for us is to trust God to fix it. Learning to die to self. Learning to give up, let go, forsake all, follow him. What the Lord has said, his word is the final authority. What he has said is our direction. It's not for us to fix the issue, the problem. Not for us to find the path through the wilderness. It's not for us to know how to get through the valley of the shadow of death. It's for us to trust him and his promises because he said he would fix it. He says he's already solved it. He's just waiting for us to ask. He already has the map. 
He already has all the directions. He already has the whole solution. He already has everything worked out beforehand. It's right here. It's in his hand. He said he's just waiting for you to acknowledge him. To stop trying to search the darkness with your own hands. To stop trying to be your own light. To stop trying to be your own guide. He's just waiting for you to turn around. He's standing right here with the whole answer. With everything in his hand. Everything that you need that needs to be done. It's right here. He's standing right here. And he's just waiting for you to turn around and say, Sorry for ignoring you. I was wrong. Lord, would you take over? Okay. Here. This is what I want you to do. When we stop playing God, when we stop thinking that our faith is strong enough, FYI, it's not. When we start thinking that we are strong enough to stand on our own, that, that we can swing the sword hard enough, that our sword is sharp enough according to our understanding, that we are good enough, holy enough, we've done enough, that we can be an authority. FYI, you're not. Neither am I. There's only one authority, and that's him. There's only one true teacher. That's him. There's only one power. That's him. There's no power but of God. Being so arrogant as to think that you will never, you'll never be offended of him. To be so arrogant as to think that you will never betray him. To be so arrogant to think that you will never deny him. To be so arrogant to think that in some way, shape, or form, you can hold yourself close to him. You've utterly missed the point. And you've already strayed. It's to learn to completely and utterly give up all power, all authority, everything unto him. He holds, he keeps, he guides, he teaches, he instructs. I, you, know nothing. Just as scripture says, if, if any man thinketh he knoweth anything, he does not yet know as he ought to know. You know what the Lord is saying right there? If you think that you understand something, FYI, you know nothing. You're not even close. The moment you think you understand something, you actually don't actually know anything. The point of that is, to, is for us to understand it's all of him, nothing of us. We can't figure out the scriptures. He teaches us. Because this is foolishness to the flesh, to the natural man. We have to have the spirit of God to understand the word of God. And then he tells us, he enlightens us, he teaches us. We don't understand anything. We have to be told the basics. Again and again and again and again and again and again. How many times have... <laughs> raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have had to be counseled regarding repentance and forgiveness and the love of God more than once. 
because you've fallen in a depression and a fear and you've forgotten all the promises of his grace and his forgiveness and you're feeling all bad again like god doesn't like you or maybe you're not saved how many times have you had to be counseled more than once do you see what i mean even in the basics of the faith we have to be counseled again and again and again and again and again how many times have you had to be told about how he will forgive you how he holds you and how he, he doesn't hate you and and how and all this how many times sheep are stupid <laughs> sheep are stupid they forget the shepherd's call constantly they lose sight of him constantly they keep straying constantly. It's like that video I saw recently on Instagram. Man, did it did it ever strike home. It showed this dumb sheep got stuck in this little crevice, this crack in the ground, and it was stuck. And the shepherd guy comes over and he's working and working and working and finally, finally pries the sheep loose. He gets the sheep out, up onto the ground, and the sheep shakes itself, goes bounding over, falls right back in. I mean, that's us to a T. The labor of the Lord. To bring us out of depression and fear and sin and everything else. He, and we finally get out and we just bounce around a little bit and fall right back in again. What does the Lord teach us regarding this? This will happen. And praise the Lord for his long suffering. You know, sometimes, you know, it's sometimes I really do believe I can hear God sigh with me sometimes. Just, okay. Okay, here we go again. That's I, I just I swear I can hear him sigh over me sometimes. We have to be very careful of religious arrogance, religious pride, but self sufficiency. Self sufficiency. There's a reason for everything in the entirety of the Word of God. There's a reason that it's there. Because the Lord knows that we're just dumb sheep. The Lord knows, as the language, how we are just little toddlers. We are nothing but toddlers to God. That we just hobbling around thinking that we know everything. Getting mad at the parent when the parent tells us no because, well, we want it now. And we don't understand why the parrot's being mean. Quotation marks. Mean. We're just ignorant children. Dumb sheep. And the, and the point of this, what the, uh, all down through scripture, is the Lord's telling us again and again, so that we could actually understand and agree, yeah, Lord, you're right. 
I'm dumb. I'm weak. I can do nothing. I have no power. You're right, Lord. I'm not a god. I cannot make one hair white or black. I cannot make make myself taller or shorter. Sh sh I have no power. I can do nothing. Yes, Lord, you're right. I'm clay. And no, you're right. The clay does not tell the potter how to do his job. Lord, you're right. I am nothing. You are everything. You're right, Lord. I am just a sinner saved by grace. Lord, you're right. You're the one that holds my life together. I do not hold my life together. Lord, you're right that when something comes along and it, it throws a wrench into all of the plans that I had for my life, and my life is now just up in smoke, you're the one that can create substance out of smoke. You but speak and the universe comes into existence. That it's by the riches of you who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I have nothing. That all of my plans, all of all that I have done will be moth-eaten, rusted, or robbed. That in a hundred years, what's left of me will be a fading name on a rock in a field. My name will fade away, but yours stands forever. My plans, my writings will fade away over time, but your word stands forever. I have no power to hold myself. I betray you constantly, but you are always faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful when we are not. When we run like the prodigal, he waits in love and mercy and grace and longs for us to return and waits for us to return. And he sends his spirit after us to be upon us, to convict us and teach us and instruct us and draw us and to climb out of that pig pen. And when, when we climb out, he runs and embraces us. The shepherd leaves the 99 and for, for the one. And Jesus teaches this lesson here. As you see in verse 36. Matthew 26 verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane. And saith unto, unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O Father, if it, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto them, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's so much in here. The lesson. Now, as you see, that, that uh, <clears throat> um, it says in verse 37, 
he began to feel sorrowful and very heavy. The weight and the burden of the whole work of everything. He felt sorrowful and heavy. He carries everything. He cares about everything. He carries everything. And he asks us to follow. To say, in a, in a way, we're not the pack mule. We don't carry the, re the reserves. We don't carry the supplies. We don't carry all things. We're only handed one thing. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. He carries literally everything else. He carries the repentance. He carries the conviction. He carries the teaching. He carries uh, the, the, the price for sin. He bore upon him the sin of the world. He bore upon himself the wrath. He bore upon himself the judgment. He bore the cross, the burial, the resurrection. He carries and bears all things. And he asks us to just watch with him. Not carry with him. Watch with him. Not to be burdened with him. Watch with him. My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Watch with me. Now what does it mean to watch? To see watch and pray. To be observant of what's going on. As the shepherd is watching over the fields and looking at all that's coming along. The signs of the times and everything else. And the sheep stand with him. And they look as well with him. To be mindful of him. To look where he's looking. To look where he's looking. To follow in his footsteps. That when he says danger, we stay away. When he says this is the way we go in it. And pray. Prayer is conversation. Holding conversation to watch in all things and to stay in conversation with him. The faith is so simple. And he went a little further, verse 39, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Now, what is he saying in this? As we know by the prophecies and everything that this is intended. And he has said in multiple scenarios down through the Gospels that this is what's going to happen. Is he having second thoughts? Jesus says, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as I will. Was Jesus having second thoughts? No. That's dumb. There are, uh, there are many uh, preachers out there, especially progressive pastors and all this kind of thing out there, uh, teaching that this is Jesus uh, having second thoughts about this, that he, he, is, he, he doesn't want to go through this, that he's changing his mind on this. No, that's stupid. That's not what that's saying. At all. Even remotely. Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup. Now, what is the cup here? Well, we go back and we see in the psalm it says, I am poured out like water. 
My strength is dried up in the dust. And the prophecy of this, I think it's Psalm 22. Psalm 22, I believe it is. Now, the cup here is not the work of the cross. Not, it's not the purpose that he's come for. But that we do see in the scriptures where the, the moment came where he's on the cross and we see that, 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 that uh, the sky is darkened and the Lord calls out, cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That, that is Psalm 22 verse 1. That has a twofold purpose because this is the point where the sin of the world is poured upon him and we see the face of the father is turned away from his son for the first time and we, we see the relationship that the father had to turn away his face because his face cannot behold sin that what is heavy with him here it, it is this communion is this moment of, of closeness with the Father is that he knows that this is what's going to happen. Not the work of the cross. He came for that. He's looking to that. He's deliberately going to that. and he's, it, That is not an, an issue. The issue here is the heaviness of, 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 of not bearing the sin, but the Father's face being turned. Falling out of fellowship. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not, not as I will, but as thou wilt. But he is willing to bear this, as we see. He doesn't want this to have to happen. He really doesn't want this to happen. But as he, but as he says here, nevertheless, it's not about me. It's not about me, Jesus says. Not as I will, but as thou wilt, meaning... The plan of God as it's been since the, since before the beginning of time. The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That he's not going to go against it. That, that, that The plan, he's not going to change it. He, what he desires, but what he desires more, is to go through with, Albert, with everything. Is to go through this. Because he knows what's at stake. He knows what needs to be done. He's not second guessing. He's not backing out. He's not. He's not uh, doing anything like that. This is what he's feeling heavy about. This is what is a burden to him. This is what troubles him. But he's willing to go through this for us. Really, look at this in this way. He's willing to go through that, through having the Father turn his face away from him. He's willing to bear that for you. He's willing to bear the sin of the world, bear the shame of the cross, bear all of the beatings and the torture, the, the nailing to the cross, shedding his blood and dying. He's willing to bear all that for you. Verse 40. And he cometh to his disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Just one hour. One hour. You know, there's something. You know, I, I, 
the one thing about preaching and all of this is, is uh, a hard lesson that has to be learned is you can't preach conviction. You can't preach conviction. No matter what you say, no matter how you say it, you can't preach conviction. And a lot of people have a lot of problems. And some people get tired of hearing it. When you go to the the pastor, the preacher, or what the Bible teacher, and you're looking for counseling, and and you're, you're telling them about your troubles and your trials and things going along, and the first thing out of out of the the uh, the counselor's mouth is, "How's your devotions?" You see, people, most professed Christians, don't really want to hear that. They want to hear a quick fix. They want to hear something that can be done easily, simply, and uh, they want an easy answer. But it's always the same thing is, how's your devotions? How's your devotional life? How's your prayer and Bible reading? You see, prayer and Bible reading is watching and praying. Praying, having com- holding conversation with the Lord, and Bible reading is watching is you're spiritually watching all things you're watching yourself you're watching your mind your spirit and your 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 physical life and by studying a scripture it examines and views and watches everything going on in your physical life you watch and pray by searching and studying and memorizing scripture and in prayer that if your devotional life is slipping so will your physical so will your mental so will your emotional so will your social if your devotional life slips everything else does if you want everything to be better uh, to uh, everything has to be increased if you want to be able to handle things better increase your devotional life because as well just something to consider i use the coffee cup analogy you know it's not the same as my other cup that used to really ring if I tapped it. If you were to eat and drink as often as you read your Bible and prayed, how healthy and strong would you be? Really think about that one just for a moment. If you were to eat and drink as often as you read your Bible and prayed, how healthy and strong would you be? So when we take a look at this, um, how much time, now don't answer this, but how much time, just answer it in your mind, how much time do you give to your personal entertainment? Uh, To eating, drinking, movies, TV, video games, music, social enjoyment, personal entertainment. How much time do you give to yourself? in a day in one day how many hours of personal entertainment personal satiation personal fulfilling fulfillment how much time do you give yourself in a day 
and you wonder why you have so much trouble spiritually and you wonder why you have so many problems in your life and you're in such a state of fear and worry and stress and, and depression and everything else because now look at how much time do you give in a day to personal devotional time before the lord caring for your spirit caring for yourself spiritually in prayer and before the lord how much time do you give yourself is it even comparable to the physical see there there's the issue is it as jesus found his disciples fast asleep they couldn't even watch for one hour as we spiritually fall asleep and we're not watching we're not observing we're not caring we're not keeping an eye on the shepherd we're not being mindful we're letting ourselves slack off we're letting ourselves fall into into a state of slumber where we switch our, our spiritual brains into neutral and we just float along and we're not paying attention and then we get taken advantage of the wolves and the coyotes the rats that come sneaking around the corner and take advantage of us the enemy sneaks up and into gets into our minds and hearts and we wonder oh, how could this have happened were you watching were you praying You see, we can memorize songs on the radio at the drop of a hat. We, we can memorize the whole plot lines of our favorite movies and TV shows. We memorize all the details of our favorite sports teams, all the details of our favorite political standings or whatever else that's going on. We can memorize anything that we want. How much do you memorize scripture? How much Bible have you memorized? here's another one i really want to add to this how long have you been a christian and how much bible have you memorized some people are like well i've been a christian for like 10 years oh you should have memorized a lot of scripture well i've been i've been saved for five years five years you can memorize a lot of scripture in five years how much have you memorized how much have you studied You see, the Lord tells us, watch and pray with me that ye avoid temptation. Watch and pray. Verse 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. You want to. You really do. You really honestly, really, really do. But the flesh is weak. And as we see, the flesh wars with the spirit and you cannot do the things you would but uh, but the but this is yet another problem this is yet another problem you see because that this is a fact that the flesh wars with the spirit and you cannot do the things you would that for many christians they use that as the cop-out well i i try but you know the flesh just is is weak All because the flesh is weak doesn't mean you deliberately surrender to it. But that's what many Christians do. They surrender to this. They surrender to the the weakness of the flesh. Because it's just, it's tiring, you know, constantly fighting against the flesh. It just, it, it gets tiring. Well, then don't come crawling to me when things go bad. 
You know what you need to do, but you're deliberately not doing it. You know, that says in James chapter 4, verse 17, if a man knows to do right and doeth it not to him, it is sin. You knew you weren't supposed to go down there, but you did it anyways. You know you weren't supposed to look at that, watch that, go here, say that, believe this, hold to that. You know that this thing was wrong. Why'd you do it? I don't know. Because you weren't watching, right? You weren't watching and you stepped on the snake that is forever ingrained in my mind <laughs> i told you about uh the other month um uh, my family went on a vacation uh, we all chipped in and rented a cottage for a couple of weeks there and uh my wife and i went out for a hike in the bush and in northern ontario there's an awful lot of Massasauga rattlers, Massasauga rattlesnakes. Now, we knew that they were there, and we're mindful of this, but many don't know. I have bad vision. I have to wear glasses for a lot of things. I'm nearly deaf in one ear, so I'm quite hobbled in that way. But anyways, uh, we, my wife and I went out to go for a hike and the mosquitoes and the deer flies were really bad so we had to put on the mosquito jackets they have the fine mesh with the hood and everything cover your face and all this so we had those on as well as it was the middle of the day and the sun was really bright so we had on sunglasses already the mosquito netting kind of covered your vision but now with sunglasses and walking through where the light's streaming through and shadows and everything, I can't really see much very well. So I'm kind of following along and I uh, got my walking stick and everything. We're walking along. We get, uh, we're, we had, we just started on our trail and about 30 feet up from the entrance of the, the bush trail that we were on, they're walking along and all of a sudden I just see my wife just stop. Now she has the sharp hearing that's like otherworldly. <laughs> I don't know. And her vision is perfect. 2020 vision. But she also knows nature sounds way better than I do. And she stopped and her eyes are wide and she's looking like this. I, I stopped for a second and, and she just suddenly points at the ground and just screams out rattlesnake. Now, just so you can get an idea where I was walking, I was like 10 feet or so behind her. And where she was pointing was right where my right foot was literally just about to step. I was literally just about to step right onto a Massasauga rattlesnake. That was right in the middle of the trail. Now, if I wasn't paying attention because I can't hear well, I can't see well, I for many, many times I have to read lips. If, especially if there's a lot of noise around, I have to read lips. Um, I have to really pay attention to, to know what's going on. I, I really cue in on people's body movements and, and gestures and things to understand what's going on. So when, when I saw the look on her face and where she was pointing and I just hear what she says, I just leapt away. 
jumped away from where she was pointing. I, because I couldn't really see. I had to trust what she was saying is the truth. But if I wasn't paying attention, if I was just looking around and, and she's like rattlesnake, rattlesnake, and I and I didn't look right away, I would have stepped right on the thing. But you see, the Lord says, watch with me. Look where I'm pointing. Look at what I'm saying. Pay attention to my gestures, the Lord says. Pay attention to my rules, my regulations, my law, what I have said. Don't second guess me, God says. Don't be apathetic to me, the Lord says, or you're in danger of stepping on the serpent. You will be bitten. You'll be taken advantage of. You will slip and fall. You'll fall in the pit that the enemy has digged. You'll get hit by the stone that they're rolling. You'll get snared in the net that they're throwing. You'll be taken advantage by the false prophets, by the false apostles, the deceitful workers, the angels, uh, the, the, the fallen angels manifesting as angels of light. You'll be taken advantage of. Watch and pray with me. Don't be apathetic. All because you know that the shepherd's over there doesn't mean that you that you can just stop watching. The Lord is watching, but he's also calling for us to watch with him. To stay in communication. To look at his gestures. To watch his eyes. Don't look at the waves. Watch his eyes. Watch his footfalls. Because... Like, like I use myself as the example. We as saints, as sheep, we can't see clearly. We're deaf. We're blind. We're dumb. We're mute. We don't know what to say. We don't know what we're listening for. We don't know what we're seeing. We can't think clearly. We rely on him for our, for our senses. He is our senses. He teaches us what to say. He guides our eyes. He clears the vision. He shows us what to see. He is our ears. He hears for us and he tells us what to listen to. He tells us what to think about. He gives us the strength to stand. He shows us where to put our feet. He guides the footfalls. Do you see this? Do you see this? This is watching and praying with him. Because the moment that we think, well, I'm not going to fall. I won't betray. I can't make mistakes. You already have stepped on the viper. You've already been bitten by pride. You've already been bitten by pride. You've fallen asleep in the garden. That the comfort of the ground and leaning against the tree and the mist rolls in and and the it, and all the temptation comes in and just just lulls you to sleep takes advantage of your senses and now you have no idea what's coming but the lord says could you not watch with me one hour watch and pray that you enter not into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So what can we do in this? You'll say, well, but you, you even just said that even if we try, we're always going to be failing. Yes, we slip and fall, but the righteous man gets back up. 
Yes, we may make a mistake. We may slip and fall. We may sin. We may betray the Lord in some way, shape, or form. But get yourself back up. Every day is a new day. His mercies are new and new every morning. Sufficient unto the days the evil thereof. You don't look at yesterday. You don't look at tomorrow. Take no thought of tomorrow. Forgetting the things of the past. One day at a time. One battle at, at a time. One day at a time. One tick of the clock at a time. And you fight the good fight of faith. You resist the devil. You resist the flesh. So that the next day that comes gets a little bit easier to watch and pray. You, you are increasing the abilities. You start gaining back some hearing. You start gaining a better hearing. You get better eyes. A, a, a better, better sound mind. The more scripture you memorize, the sharper your focus is. The more you spend in prayer, the sharper your spiritual senses become. And in this, you have more and more tools with which to fight against the flesh and the enemy. The sheep that are closest to the shepherd don't fall as much as those at the back. Those are off, you know, falling, but they're on the outer edges. They see where the others are going, and they're just kind of keeping up. But they're not being really serious about it. What kind of sheep do you want to be? The ones off on the edges, where it's easier for the wolves to pick off? Or do you want to be the one that's right up against the leg of the shepherd? Watch and pray. Could you not watch with me? Because if you're way off on the edges, how do you know where the shepherd's eyes are falling? You're not you're not abiding in the footsteps of the shepherd. You're you're going in a, in the general direction, but you're not in the exact footsteps. They say, "Well, you sound like you're talking legalistic." Really, really, okay. You're talking about rules and all that. The Lord's rules, not man's rules. I'm not talking about denominational distinctives. I am not addressing that. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about what the Lord has said strictly. Not man's legalism. God's. Not, not man's rules. God's. Not man's opinions. God's. Not, not what the preacher says, what they think is right and wrong. What God flat out says what's right and wrong according to his scripture. You, you walk verbatim according to the word of God. Because what, what would happen if you took the word of God literally, strictly, seriously? What would happen if you took the faith seriously like he said it? What if you spent more time with him, mindful of him, watching and praying with him as he ought? Because you know what you know what happens to those who don't. Those who don't take the faith seriously. Watch and pray that you enter not in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Look, look what he says. One, one last time we'll end on this in verse 40. We'll end with this. What Jesus says. Look, look at his language here. So he comes back to his disciples and he finds them asleep. You know, it doesn't say how long he stood there. And do you suppose, just a question, do you suppose it's possible that, that Jesus, he, he finishes up over there and he comes back, he sees them sleeping, that he just stood there for a moment? 
to see if they noticed him. He just stu he stood there for a moment, like for a minute, two minutes. How long? Yeah, that he stood there for a while before he said something. Now imagine everything that Jesus said, everything that he taught, everything that he showed them, and he's he, and he comes back and they're sleeping, fast asleep. Look at the language. He saith, he saith to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? No. Look at this. Look at this. Look at the language. He comes to his disciples, plural. He finds them, plural. He finds them asleep he says to peter what could you not watch with me one hour he pointed out peter he said that to peter because peter said he would never betray him i will never betray you what you couldn't even watch with me one hour Interesting. Well, they'll all, all betray you. If all walk, walk away, if all run away, I will never betray you. You couldn't even watch with him for one hour. You can't even read your Bible and pray for one hour. Seriously. It goes to show how weak we are. How much we depend on him. And be careful, boast not thyself. For though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, thence will I bring thee down. It's about his strength, not ours. It's about his mercy, his grace. It's not about our ability to hold on to him. It's about his ability to hold on to us, regardless what comes. You stick with the shepherd, you watch where he's pointing, and you don't assume, and you don't presume, and you don't jump to your own assumptions. You don't you don't go to your own strength, of your own will, of your own ability, depending on, on your own knowledge, your own wisdom, your own strength. You look to his, not yours. We are weak. We are nothing. He is everything. We're the sheep. He's the shepherd. We should know our place. And we should take the faith seriously. He asks us to watch and pray with him. In all things. In everything that you do. Even in eating and drinking. Even in a glass of water. Watch and pray. We, take, we are to take nothing as physical. Everything is to be turned into a spiritual purpose, spiritual reason, spiritual circumstance. Everything is spiritual. Watch and pray in all things that you, that, so that you will not fall into temptation, you not enter into temptation. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. There you go. Any comments, questions, issues, insights on this? Please, by all means, go ahead. Ask away. Be glad to hear from you. And let's go up here to top. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? All right. Okay, Mia has a question. 
Um, how can I be sure my mom is saved? Okay. So about how can we know of another salvation? Well, here's the thing is, well, ultimately you can't know. I don't know if you're saved. You make the confession. We make confession, but only the Lord truly knows those that are his. But there are some things that the Lord gives us in this uh, as promises of hope that we can hold on to. And that is the confession of the faith. The confession of the faith as it is according to the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ according to the faith. So we see, uh, um, as I talked about before, about the two pillars. The two pillars is understanding the person of Jesus Christ according to the word of God. Uh, he is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. And secondly, salvation by grace through faith by belief alone in the Lord God Jesus Christ alone. So we see salvation by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves, not by baptism works or anything else. So we present the gospel of salvation to someone according to the word of God. And they confess that they believe that. They have made it personal by then calling upon the Lord. We see Romans 10, 9 to 10, the confession of the belief of the heart. It's, you don't examine someone's salvation by their works. You examine someone's salvation by the confession of faith, by the confession of the doctrine of the heart, of the belief of the heart upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you would say, for example, if I'm examining you, Remember, do you believe that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh? And you would say, well, yeah. Do you believe that you're a sinner, that you need to be saved, that Jesus went to the cross, shed his blood for your sins, was buried, rose again the third day according to the scriptures? Do you believe that? Yes. Have you made it personal? Have you called upon him? Have you told him that you, you believe? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins and save you? Well, yeah. Bible says you're saved. 1 John 5, 13, that ye may know that you have eternal life because you've believed. There you go. So walk them through the gospel, the details of the gospel. Ask them about this. If they've, if, if they've done this, made it personal before the Lord, called upon him personally. If they have, will we then trust in the hope? Because this is what the Lord has said. We take the Lord at his word. So there you go. All right. So with that, I guess we'll wrap it up there. So uh, if you appreciate these studies, please give this a like, give this a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so you know when we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other goodies and content and playlists and Bible studies and all everything else and tons of other stuff there too. Please make sure you check it out as well as our website christiancoffeetime.ca we have links to all our other platforms and our podcasts and everything else there so make sure you avail yourself to that as well as free downloadable gospel track pdfs and e-tracks so make sure you uh, take advantage of those as well and share this around share the good news of jesus christ around and and encourage the saints strengthen the saints uh, guide the lost to Christ. Get yourself busy. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Watch and pray and get yourself walking with the Lord. And if you fall, repent, get back up. Just call upon the Lord, ask him to forgive you. Brush off the dirt, keep walking. No, no matter how many times you fall, get back up, keep walking. Be faithful to the Lord. It's about him. 
he how he holds he'll never abandon he'll never forsake he'll never let us go he holds us in his hand and nothing can pluck us out that means we can't pluck ourselves out either it's about not about our hold on him it's about his hold on us let us be faithful to him that has promised so with that god bless you folks god bless all those who love our lord god jesus christ god bless all those who love his holy word hope to see you again and as always if i don't see you again i'll see you in the sky god bless